Hello, Liturgy Guy listeners. This is your host, Jesse Weiler, and we have great news, right, Dennis? This is your other host, D-Mac, Dennis McNamara, and we do have news. What is it, Jesse? We have just hit 100,000 downloads. What was that show, $100,000 Pyramid? We have 100,000 listener pyramid. The 100,000... Download pyramid. Yeah. I don't think we have a hundred thousand listeners. This is not a pyramid scheme, but nonetheless, I think we have one listener who listens a lot, and we don't know who it was who mm-hmm. had the one hundred thousand. But it can be one of those listeners, it can and they one. get no prize. I wish we could give them something. Yeah, I don't think we would have been able to know who did it, or or why, or how, or to what extent. But also, I think I'm not entirely sure. I have no way to prove this, but I think we were in the top three for the Fishernet uh, Best Podcast I think Award. We were number two. I think we're number two, so those will be announced on Friday, December 8th, so we'll know if we win, I guess. Right, and thanks too much to our voters. All I did was put a thing on Facebook a couple times, and we went from sixth place to second place in the original voting, but we could still win because a panel of judges picks the winning podcast. Would you say that winning that award would be better than Pie Crust or not as good? Oh my gosh, it would be like taking a bath in a tub full of Pie Crust (laughs) and then eating it afterward. (laughs) I regret asking you that question, but uh, I guess today we'll <laughs> we'll talk about the uh, episode today, which is the marriage right, the new marriage right, right, new translation and revised right of marriage. And there's also a liturgy question about the revised marriage right. So, not to mention best Catholic pickup lines. Oh yeah, also best. Ca- I forgot that we did that. Okay, so this is an amazing episode today, and now you can listen to. Episode 18 of Season 2 of The Liturgy Guys. Enjoy. I'm going to talk to you today about the Mass. The liturgy is what enculturates the gospel for us. What are you, some kind of altar boy? And, and it enculturates it into our day-to-day life, our, our day-to-day existence. It's pretty dang exciting, huh? We're called not to some crapshoot called life, but to an adventure in fidelity that beckons us to cast out to the deep. The Liturgical Institute is proud to present the Liturgy Guys. I mean, inevitably, the beginning of, of every podcast is just us waiting for Chris to be ready. That's right. I know. Sorry. <laughs> it takes so long. I'm ready instantly. It's like, boom. But Chris is checking his Chris, sources. can we do this list while you're waiting? While you're getting ready? Or do you want to... Tell me about you? marriage, oh, Jesse. I laugh about him. Marriage is great. What's the worst moment you've ever had in your marriage? Oh, man. Don't, but, don't, don't, there's don't say category, that. There's categories. <laughs> you're supposed to say none. Oh, yeah. Uh, none. Yeah. What if Still you're, waiting for that to happen. Yeah, right. There, there have been no before, low points. No. Um, you but, ever, have you ever thrown a lamp? No, I've never oh, thrown okay. a lamp. Have you ever thrown a lamp, Chris? I've thrown a fit. No. Oh. <laughs> have you ever? Th- I actually... I drive a Honda Fit because it's my wife's car, <laughs> but it's 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 small, but it's still big enough that I can't throw it. So, uh, anyway, are you ready, was, Chris? That was I'm an ready. unintentional, very funny joke to me. So, the, uh, oh, speaking of funny jokes, yes, yes. let's yeah. get, let's introduce Chris. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, we said funny. Oh yeah. Uh, so we're going to talk about the marriage right today. A lot of uh, email questions have been coming in. Uh, as of late, about the new marriage ride and the translation and stuff. So we're going to dive into that. But first, first, we thought that we would go over some uh, Catholic pickup lines that we saw on this list somewhere, and some of these are pretty fantastic. Did you use any of these, Jesse? Or try these out? I, w- I wish. 
I wish. But let's go with, uh, I'm, I'm not going to read all of them, but. Uh, we'll, we'll let, Dennis is a single man here. We'll let him choose which of uh, yeah. the handful he which would Which one of these would best one? work with me? Okay. <laughs> the, the number one thing would be, hey, I have pie crust. And that, yeah. that would be That's hard. not on this No, no, list. these are lines you're going to use. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, I so thought you, these would be used on me. Okay. Yeah. No, 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 no. This all right. Is, hey, I, I have, highly doubt I, that. I have pie crust. <laughs> Same answer. Same answer. So you're going to use these lines on me. Okay, Jesse, go ahead. Okay. Uh, no, you're going to use these lines on somebody. You need to pick which one. Then I should be reading. Anyway, go ahead. Okay. The uh, first one is, is this seat taken or are you a sede vacantist? Oh, man. <laughs> all right. Number two. Can I take you for a small meal that when combined with another small meal doesn't exceed your day's large meal? <laughs> I believe uh, it's Good Friday. So last night I was reading the book of Numbers and I realized I don't have yours. Oh, no, that, I like that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is my favorite one. Are you a library card? Because you got fine written all over you. A library book, I mean. You got fine written all over you. Uh, all right, so here's number four. Uh, what's a nice girl like you doing a confession line like this? Wow. <laughs> uh, number five, are you a traditionalist? Because your form is extraordinary. <laughs> uh, number six, the Bible says to give food and drink to the hungry and thirsty. How about dinner? This one is my favorite. Number seven, baby, your hair is like a flock of goats leaping down the slopes of Gilead. <laughs> You have a nose like a tower and, and teeth like a sheep's. Uh, okay, let's see. Um, number, what did I just do? Did I do number seven? Just a couple more. Okay. So the best two, ones. Two more. What would, uh, would you like to study the theology of the body with me sometimes? <laughs> uh, if Solomon met you, he wouldn't have needed 700 wives. One would have been enough. Oh, yeah. I'll right. take that one. That's and, the one you want? Yep. Solomon building the temple, all that stuff. That's the best one. Oh, I should have known that. Yeah, the sl- come on, what goats on the slopes? That's what that's goats well, on I, slopes. Kind of wanted something to work. Yeah, all right. What what, what what do you think would work best? I like the, the Solomon one. I don't care if it would work. I just like it. Best, so. <laughs> all right, Chris. Yeah, I'm just gonna sit here. Oh yeah. And then you're gonna talk about the the marriage oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, pres- yeah, there's new updates, right? Uh, it's a somewhat recent yeah so presuming one of these lines actually works for dennis someday he mm-hmm. might find himself uh having to look at the uh the order of christian uh, matrimony mm. right and so there's yeah there has been a, a, a translation of a second edition that we're currently using so the first edition came out in 1969 and we translated that uh, very early on in 69 or 70 and we've been using that all the way up until last year now in um this is, I, I don't know, in 1990 is when they came out with the second Latin edition, but it took us 26 years to get the baby translated, all right? So we had been using that first edition for the all baby. this. Yeah, this you're year. using all the right words. Time. Yeah, I should use them in the right order, though. First come, <laughs> right, first comes marriage. Okay. Uh, and so it wasn't until, uh, it's part of the reasons for that was a Liturgiam Authenticum, kind of, you know, they were starting to translate it, then they had to retranslate it. Um, there was a, a Spanish translation of the second edition, and so they wanted to bring the English one into conformity with that. The, the Roman Missal came along, and that kind of uh, waylaid all the other projects that were going on. So it took a very long time to get this 1990 second typical edition in Latin into the 2016 second edition into English. 
You know what I just did while you were saying all what that? What did you do? I looked up the etymology of the word matrimony. Any guesses? Mm, nope. I think I do. But this is, this is a great point, right? Because the first edition was called the Rite of Marriage. The mm-hmm. second edition is called Order of Celebrating Matrimony. Yes. Oh. Well, can I think about the first part of the word, matra. Uh, mother? Yes. Ammonium <gasps> comes from action, right. state, or condition. So like every mother out there, when are you going to get married? Let me do <laughs> This is the action of the mother or the action of making someone a mother, I suppose. But isn't that funny? The word itself. Well, it does. Yeah. It, it, it has motherhood written into the very title of the book. Right? And that's, you know, if you're, if you're a liturgy guy uh, and you're, you're into looking to meaning in the signs, that should tell you something right it away. It could be patrimony, too, right? Make someone a father. That is true. Yeah. That is true. Fratrimony. Although, although we do have no, patrimony. can't be that. something else. Okay, anyway, as you were, Chris. <laughs> well, that's, but that's, that's a good point. See, and one, what, are, what are one of the promises that you have to make a little bit later on in the marriage, right? Wait, wait, don't spoil it. No oh, okay. Don't spoil it. Hat? Okay. <laughs> open to... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. 24-7. Okay. Open 24 hours so, a day. So let me just give a list of things that have changed between the first edition in English into the second edition into English. Okay. And there was one of them. So there's a change in title. A second one is the, the introduction or the prenotanda. What's a prenotanda, Dennis? The uh, notes before. The notes before, right. And so it gives the, this, it gives the instructions on... Jesse's looking in wonderment at our... How to use the book. It's the introduction. It's yeah. kind of a yeah. how to use this I book. I mean, I, I believe you. I just, <laughs> I just never heard that word before. Well, see, that's why, you, that's why you listen to the podcast, so you can learn new things. Chris mm-hmm. and I are members of the same mystical body. We are joined at the mind. Mm. All right. For eternity. So the pranotanda... And I'm just sitting here in the corner. This was a uh, uh, prenotanda. I don't know what the plural of prenotanda is. Prenotandi. Yeah, maybe. Notandi. Prenotandi? I don't know. So one of the things that the, the council wanted to do was to have each ritual book have a theological and practical and rubrical introduction, right? And so what the prenotanda, they almost always begin with, uh, um, with theology. What's the, what's the ontology? What's the essence of this sacrament? <sighs> That's going on. And then it breaks it down into some uh, more specific uh, instructions. Would you call this a rights-based approach to the sacraments? Mm, yeah, it would. It's it, it Really, it's kind of a uh, mystagogical unpacking of the right that is about. Just to, like the liturgical institute, right? The exactly. liturgical books are the primary source of understanding. So the uh, one of the key differences in the prenotanda from the first edition to the second is just how much it's been expanded. The first one had 18 paragraphs. The second has 44 paragraphs. That Who no one cares? will ever read. Big deals. No, but they should. <laughs> I know they, they should. should. In a day... I didn't even know that. Well, you do now. Man, in I should a, get married again. <laughs> in, in a day when there's a little bit of confusion, question about uh, the nature of marriage, the ontology of marriage, the purpose of marriage, the, the, the preparation for marriage. And see, and that's an interesting thing, too. One of the things that this introduction has is is it calls it gives more... Inst- in. In instruction. instruction, more details about preparation for marriage and who is supposed to do it. Did either of you read the prenotanda for the right before you got married? Never. I didn't even, no. obviously didn't even know so what sure, the word you're meant. sure these are valid marriages you mm. have? Is it? That's, that, a, is that, that's a question for another podcast. Does that affect the validity? If you don't read the prenotanda? Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. Opt- so it's optional. He's a single, don't take it. I am just being he doesn't a pain. Know. Yeah. He doesn't know. But what it, what it contains now, what's happened since 1969 in the first 
uh, marriage right and 1990, what came in there, and you'll find a lot of this information now thrown into, not just thrown in, but worked into the carefully introduction, assembled, yeah. carefully assembled. So what are the highlights of that theologically? Well, it would, well, what's informed it a lot was Pope John Paul II's letter on, um, this This is in the news a lot today, Familiaris Consortio. Consortio. So the Prenotanda. We must be following the like a different, different news, news yeah. change. No, uh, because when... Um, when, when, when there's discussions about Amoris Laetitiae, right, and the question of uh, uh, the sacrament of marriage, so uh, a lot of people say, well, how closely or not is Amoris Laetitiae, uh, how is it to be read in light of Familiaris Consortio and the rest? And so if for no other reason Amoris Laetitiae today has brought Familiaris Consortio of John Paul II very much to the fore. Well, that's the document that is informing a lot of the uh, pre notando. But also the Code of Canon Law from 1983, obviously wasn't around in 1969-70, yeah. and so a lot of that uh, wisdom is in there as well. So the introduction to the marriage rite is very large. It's got a lot of uh, theology. It's You want to know what marriage is about, what matrimony is about, you go to the introduction. Now, is this that. available? Is it approved, published out yes, there? Yes, Everything. So it's, yes. all, it's being used in churches yes. now already? Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, optional. Uh, September 8th, 2016, it became mandatory uh, at the end of the year, December, well, I think Feast of the Holy Family was at the end of the year, like oh, it always is. <clears throat> yeah, 2016. So now it's, uh, it's the right that must be used. Okay, what else is different? Is it tells the minister what the homily is supposed to be about. What's the wedding homily to be about? The gospel? Wasn't really? a homily supposed to be about the gospel? Yeah, I, well, it can, sorry, be, it can I, be based upon the gospel. It should it be says, about a movie he saw, or or the couple. Should it be about the love of uh, Jesse and Kim and things? The answer is uh, fourfold. It says the mystery of Christian marriage. All right, what right? is so it? So if he's if he's going to well, let's let's well, this is a good question. What's the mystery of Christian marriage? The uniting What's of the two into one, like the persons of the Trinity. That, uh, yeah, there's. Uh, if I knew the is, answer, you it wouldn't be a mystery. Chris's eyes lit <laughs> up when wah, I said wah, that. Wah. Wow. <laughs> No, it's uh, the 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 easiest answer. The first answer is it's it's the mystery. It's the expression of the mystery of the marriage of Jesus, the bridegroom, to his bride, the, the church. church. Right. Yeah, and all of salvation history from. Um, you know, the overflowing love of the Trinity into creation, uh, the union of, of Adam and Eve, the relationship of God to his people, and all through the Old Covenant is this kind of a, um, marriage, this relationship on the rocks until finally they come together again uh, with Christ upon the cross. And what happens in heaven, Dennis? There's their wedding feast of the it's Lamb that's begun. Feast of the Lamb. And the bride and so, is prepared to welcome. All of salvation history is the story of a marriage. And what the marriage of Jesse and Kim or Chris and Marguerite or whoever it is, is meant to sacramentalize, make visible that larger mystery. Microcosmically. So pretty much they could just press play on this Liturgy Guys podcast and then just like (laughs) take a snooze and then that qualifies for the craft. That's right. Please use this for marriage prep. But but what I wanted to say and why I was so excited about your answer is uh, there's a very... Excellent. Um, I don't know when he said this, but it's a Pope Benedict XVI line that it's not just the marriage couple doesn't just simply simply participate in the marriage of Jesus and His Church, but is in some way a reflection of the Trinity itself, right? So who is three and yet nonetheless one, and so marriage are two separated people who nonetheless start to feel each other's pain and love what the other loves and delight in the, yeah, what the and, other delights. And how how exclusive is their love of the Trinity? 
It's not. And how long will it last? Forever. Forever. And what does it beget? It sounds like a boys to men song. It's like, two <laughs> become one <laughs> forever. <laughs> but no, what the family does and the, mar- and the married couple does is has this exclusive love that's meant to last forever, that's supposed to beget a new Children, life, that's yeah. entered, you know, entered freely and things like that. And so that's, in those ways, you sacramentalize. The perichoresis of the Trinity turns outward into creation. The perichoresis of the... Thank Bride you, and groom. David Fagerberg. Yes. That means dancing. Dancing around, okay. right? So there's well, a lot of wedding. That's a lot of dancing mi- at weddings. That's the mystery of Christian marriage. This is supposed to be uh, spoken about and preached this about. This is the homily. meaning of the chicken dance. All right, so that's the first point it should yeah. be. Uh, the dignity of conjugal love. The third is the responsibilities of, of marriage. And the fourth is the grace of the sacrament. So if a minister wants to know, what am I going to preach about? The right tells you, and this is new in the second edition, it says talk about one, two, three, and four. Here's some things to talk about. If you're going to talk about Jesse and Kim, you have to do it in light of... Their conjugal love. Well, of, of the love of... You notice how uh, we skipped that one? Yeah, we went <laughs> really fast over the guy with eight kids, Chris. You really... Of, uh, the, uh, <laughs> of Christ for his church. It's, it's kind of like at a funeral. I mean, the, the, the homily isn't about the deceased. It's about Jesus and his saving Paschal mystery. And only in that light do we bring in... Uh, the deceased sir. Anyway, okay. So that's something new, is what to preach about. Uh, there, was, there was no uh, like outline or you know, topics before? or Correct. Okay. That's correct. That's so, price that the minister right. gives a so, homily. So my homily was valid. Great. Well, you know, maybe. Or the, sorry, the homily. You gave a homily? At, <laughs> the homily, <laughs> homily at my wedding. Okay, there's more descriptive and clarified rubrics, right? So we did a podcast on... Paul the Sixth, we're entering into something new, and you know, there's new territory, there's some novelty. Um, and so a lot of the rubrics in the first editions of the books didn't really know what to take into account. Well, after many years of practice, there's new and more descriptive rubrics. For example, at the introductory rites, uh, the questions before consent, there's an explicit rubric that you have to, uh, you have to say out loud that you're entering into this uh, relationship freely. And the spouse has to say out loud. You can't say them together because it's, um, you know, it, it's part of the integrity of the sacrament that you're freely entering. Because into I could this. have just been moving my lips, but not you actually saying it. And if you know, it's possible that you can have a number of marriages take place in the same mass. Oh. The priest is supposed to elicit the response from every single couple and every single person specifically, it's and like, not just kind of. Wait, there are group marriages? Oh yeah. Yeah, no, well, they're not married to each other. No, yeah, I mean, no, no, no. That's not what I meant. More than one like, couple at a time. That really? happens a lot in oh, yeah. South America and places where there are not a yeah. lot of priests. Yeah. Wow. It's sort of like when you're on the uh, exit row in the plane and the, the flight attendant says, you must answer individually. Can you do this? And you have to say, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, that's, that's a great example. Yeah, if you're in that exit row, you know, you got to take your earbuds out and everyone has to, yeah. Except for ahead. there's no exit row in marriage. <laughs> Nicely put. Yeah. Nicely put. I know. I've looked for it. No <laughs> need for it. <laughs> there's there's a new rubric about the rings are to be sprinkled, uh, that the marriage license is signed mm, after sprinkles. the mass, but it says not on the altar. I don't know. Maybe this was a problem. So there's there's more rubrics. There's more help to uh, the minister. Uh, there's readings uh, that are offered in the order uh, itself, and it says, this is a new edition, it says, one of the readings in the marriage rite must speak explicitly about the mystery of marriage. Right? So you can have a whole variety of selections that the couple can use, but one of them has to very clearly and explicitly speak about uh, marriage. 
All right. There's some additional texts. Uh, let's see where after the uh, there's an accl- uh, acclamation after the priest receives the, the, the can- consent of the, of the couple. He says something like, let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God or some other acclamation can be sung. That's a new thing. Uh, and there's uh, new uh, text for the giving of the rings. The um, what do we call that? Where the holy every sacrament has uh, an epiclesis. What's an epiclesis? That's when the Holy Spirit comes down. Yeah, where's the epiclesis in the marriage rite? Um, it, is it at the end when there's a the blessing? Yeah, yeah, that's great. Oh it's God, the nuptial. Got it right. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's the uh, it's the nuptial blessing. But now the the calling down. Of the, the calling of the Holy Spirit <laughs> is, is uh, more <laughs> explicit in the uh, in the nuptial blessing. Good. Okay, and a couple more things. There's some cultural adaptations. One is called the uh, the Aras. You know what the Aras are? Is that were we talking about this before? No, we weren't. Okay, not that that one's the lasso or something. Yeah, the the Aras are thirteen coins, and I think these traditions come more of a, a, a Hispanic or Filipino. Um, background but there's a giving so i think i've never seen this there's a giving of a box of 13 coins uh the priest blesses them and gives them to the groom who hands them over to the i don't know if they hand them to each other or not but it's supposed to maybe we can look at the prayer in a moment symbolize a prayer blessing for god's bounty on their uh, marriage about to take place but the aras these giving of the 13 coins is now written into the ritual so this would be a cultural as an optional as an option yeah okay Depending on the circumstances. Now, is yep. that in the universal typical no. edition, or that's just no. an adaptation for Correct. American circumstances? Correct. Okay. Yes. So, if you're keeping track with confirmatios and recognitios, so this giving of the coins and also of the la- the veil and the lasso, which we'll talk about in a minute, this would be a ritual adaptation governed by the fourth instruction called Veritatis Liturgia uh, Legitime, and the Holy See would have to re- give recognitio, recognize this. Okay. Um, another uh, adaptation is the uh, the the veil or the lasso, which is uh, I think described as like a garland, or maybe it's like a veil. It's some some like a lasso, I right, guess. Right. This wedding garland that is put around the two couples. Jesse, you are you familiar with this at all? I, yeah. So my wife is Filipino, but we did not do this in our wedding because I asked her about it if it's something that she wanted to do, and she um, didn't really know a lot about it. So we didn't do it at, at our wedding. But do you know much about it? Have you ever seen it? Um, I mean, I've seen like video of it done, but it's basically this this like you said, lasso or veil that is wrapped around both couples together, uh, both the bride and the groom. But I don't know what it uh, so signifies. So they're caught and stuck together forever. Yeah, I don't know what the what it signifies. Well, th- this is the let's uh, let's see. So this is right before the nuptial blessing in the right. This is the part about the lasso or the veil. Lasso is L A Z O or the veil, which is, I think, more like a veil. They're not quite the same thing. Um, so this happens uh, right after the Our Father. The instruction is, according to local customs, right? So there's a cultural element here. So not just, this wouldn't be just like if you had like a menu checklist and you're going through marriage prep and you said, yeah, we want, you know, any couple could have the, the lasso or the veil. I think it has to be a part of either your, your cultural uh, heritage. So you'd be Filipino or Hispanic, let's say. Um, so according to local customs, the rite and blessing and imposition of the, the lazo, which is called a wedding garland, or the veil may take place. The spouses remain kneeling in their place. If the lazo has not been placed earlier, it is now convenient to do so. It may be placed at this time or the veil placed over the head of the wife and the shoulders of the husband, symbolizing 
the bond that unites him. All right, so that's every every symbol in the marriage rite is uh, symbolizing and affecting the bond of the two becoming a cough. Excuse me, a cough. Two becoming one. And this is the, this is the prayer. The priest, uh, as the garland is put around them, or the veil, is, which is on the head of the, the, um, the wife and the shoulder of the groom, the priest says, Bless, O Lord, this lazo, a symbol of the indissoluble union that Jesse and Kim have established from this day forward before you with your help. The lazo is held by two family members or friends and is placed over them. Anyway, so that happens right before the nuptial yeah. blessing. Through the marriage of the I mean, the uh, miracle of the interwebs, I just looked up the Aras origin. Yeah. And apparently it comes from the dowry tradition that the, uh, the, what? the dowry. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, okay. Not so much the bride giving the groom the dowry, but it was proof that the man had enough money to support his wife. So he okay. would give it to her. And then she would show that she would be able to. It was symbolizing her kind of management of what was given to her. But here in your cosmic symbolism, one of the potential meanings why there's 13 is either that it's. Christ and the 12 apostles, or that it's the 12 lunar cycles of the year plus one more for their honeymoon. So it's, mm, the, it's nature plus their particular contribution to that. And that all this together suggests that they're now bound as one and sharing each other's goods and in tune with the cosmos. Right, nice. This, this is how it's treated in the right. So this is right after the exchange of rings. So this is a little bit earlier in the ritual. It says, uh, if the occasion suggests the rite of blessing and giving the aras or coins may take place uh, in this way. The priest is presented the box with the coins and he blesses them. He says, bless, O Lord, these aras that Kim and Jesse will give to each other and pour over them the abundance of your gifts. And then the husband takes the aras and hands them over to his wife saying, Kim, receive these aras as a pledge of God's blessing and a sign of the good gifts we will share. And then the wife takes them and hands them back to the husband and says, Jesse received nah, you these. Keep them. <laughs> <laughs> and she says the same, the same prayer. So those are two things that are new into uh, in the marriage, right? Now, these are things that are just because certain cultural groups want them and need them and they're making them official. Or are these things that are meant to be now an enrichment of the wedding experience for anybody? No, no. I was trying to get that before. I, it's not for anybody. I think if it's a part of their cultural heritage. So, again, I, I think you would be within your rights, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Jesse, if these, these were a part of use, uh, use, yours and uh, Kim's. Uh, use, or, guys. Use, guys. Now, is it limited to that? Because I know there's, I think there's it, a I think lot of different. Okay. So, Marguerite and I, um, you know, we're, we don't, we're not from the Philippines. Boring. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be yeah. But, like, I, I, I read this article once about. This tradition of um, when the bride and groom are saying their vows um, on top of their hands is a crucifix, and then the priest puts his stole on top of the crucifix, like the you know just these. It's um, you know I, I'm just yeah. wondering if there are any permissions for that type of stuff at all, or does it have to be within the guides of the official rite? Mm, I think it has to be within the guide okay. to the official right. Um, the USCCB did a Q&A on this when, uh, when it came out uh, because there's, there's, there's lots of traditions. Right. right? That's so, what I, that's so my question. So there's going to be the, um, you know, can you, some present uh, flowers or something to the Blessed Virgin Mary or something like that. There's such things as unity candles and unity sand. And unity, unity sand. And things Album like that. Album number three. <laughs> and, so they they try to answer this too. I mean, what what about all of these uh, uh, local customs? And you know, it's a difficult question to answer. I mean, one are they are they truly a custom? 
you know, how long-standing is it? Is it inspired by uh, uh, authentic culture or faith, or are they kind of more passing? Like even Unity candles, I wonder, are they, are they, people still do that? I get the sense that the answer is yes. Yes. Are yeah. They, are they are they allowed? No, no. That's not the that's not the question. Mm-hmm. Is, is are they desired? I I don't gather that they're as popular as they as they once were. But of course, neither is celebrating the marriage I've, right. I've seen it done at least twice in yeah. the last year. So. Yeah. But just for think, clarity okay. on this, yeah. say my two cousins, you know, Margie O'Flaherty and uh, mm-hmm. Sammy O'Mara, decide they want this Eros thing with the coins. Mm-hmm. Are they allowed? Uh, allowed? I, I. That's not the. That's not the. I mean, they're not going to fact check your culture. You know. Yeah, what if no, they say, hey, I've never heard of that. That's awesome. This is really meaningful to me, even though it's not something I've heard of before. Is no, that that's not the. That's not why it's in there. But they so, could ask for it theoretically. They could ask for it, and I think uh, the the pastor would be advised to say, "No, this is not. This is not just another option. You can pick these four opening songs. This is meant to be a cultural expression uh, of a culture that you do not come from." So, no, I, I don't think it's intended to be uh, Man, just an option for everybody. So. Anyway, what else do you want to know? There's well, some, how about the yeah. rite itself? This seems like yeah. the additions that are in the local custom. Are there any actual changes to the rite itself? Any cool word choice, more precise well, in the new again, translation? Uh, yeah, well, see, this has been translated according to the principles in Liturgiam Authenticam. You know, one of the things that uh, I think is interesting, they give you more uh, information at the at the beginning of the Mass. There's two forms for where the, the, the wedding Mass can begin. Uh, in the first one, you've got the bridal party at the doors of the church, and the priest and all the ministers go to the door of the church, and they welcome the couple kind of unofficially, even almost privately, you know. So he, he's speaking to the couple, whether or not the whole rest of the church can hear it or not. And then there's the entrance procession that begins. So it, the order would be, let's say, incense, cross and candles, priest and deacon, then the bridal party, maybe the parents, and last, finally, would be uh, the bride and groom themselves, right? Because they are... And that's see, different than the old dad bringing the bride down, right? Yes, it is. Although the second option is more, is more similar to that, where the priest and the ministers would wait sort of up front, you know, uh, at the foot of the steps, and the bridal party would come in. But even in that one, it has, uh, it would be the bride and groom themselves come in. And this does a couple of things. One is it emphasizes that, right, it's, it's the couple who are the ministers of the sacrament, the priest or the deacon uh, is there to receive the consent as a witness on behalf of this uh, uh, larger marriage that he's uh, representing between marriage. Jesus and the church. Okay? <laughs> but it's the couples who uh, are the ministers of the sacrament. And so the fact that the two of them come up together helps to signify that. Is it always supposed to be them two together? Because culturally, yeah. we like the bride to walk up alone and the groom to be standing there. Yeah, the well, front. you're a wedding historian here, Dennis. What does that signify? <laughs> that the are? father walks up the bride and hands her over to the groom. Well, if the groom is waiting up at the front, so to speak, and the bride comes in, I think that does signify this progress of the church. Was, they're separated, you know, from the, the bride oh, and groom yeah. are separated, and he's up there waiting, just like Christ is waiting for us, and then she comes down the long aisle, which mm. sort of signifies all of salvation history, and then finally in the sight of God, the two become one. So I think there is something to that concept. Yeah, I think that's a nice theological thought. I don't know that's its genesis, though. though well, it might, that's, that doesn't, doesn't, that doesn't mean, make it true. I always heard that it was 
the giving away, like the father giving his daughter to right. giving him, which may be to, cultural more than yeah, theological. It is right. cultural. Yeah. So yeah, the and you know the 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 husband or the the groom wouldn't see his wife at all until until that day until the veils lifted in case he didn't like what he saw ahead of time right i I, I don't know back when those arranged marriages were there it's like oh don't see well i mean i you you wonder i don't know that um the the, what's offered in the book is certainly theologically sound whereas the other practices uh, are maybe more culturally uh, grown culturally and you know by that fact it doesn't make them wrong but what these uh, two new entrances uh, I, signify I thought there was permission for the bride to walk alone down the aisle is that not true that's not what the the right at least uh, describes in this second so you've got the first form where you know everybody's coming in from right. the incense all the way to the bride and groom the second one is the priest and the ministers go to the front of the church and it says, um, when the couple have arrived at their place, I think it presumes they're walking up together, the priest then receives them warmly. So imagine this. So the priest is now, they've walked up to the front, the priest is uh, gives them a welcome. And then the next rubric is, then during the entrance chant, the priest approaches the altar. So as soon as he's done welcoming them, then there's a proper chant that's supposed to begin for the, for the ritual mass, and he's going to walk up and reverence the altar with a profound bow and kiss the altar, and then he's going to go to the chair. So there's even a little bit of music that would accompany him from the greeting of the people up to and That means he's the outside the sanctuary when he greets them? Yeah. yeah. And then he, he yeah. says, hi, you're here, and then he goes up to do what he has to do. He does, yeah. And so then there's a sign of the cross. This was... this. Uh, a lot of the rites didn't at least indicate that, that there's supposed to be a sign of the cross. There's sign of the cross, and he, he says uh, he, the rite provides him two texts to welcome the couple. Okay? So-and-so and so-and-so, the church shares your joy and warmly welcomes you together with your family and friends. To, I'm reading to the second one, the shorter one. As today in the presence of God, our Father, you establish between yourselves a lifelong partnership. May the Lord hear you on this, your joyful day. May he send you help from heaven to protect you. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill every one of your prayers. And then the glorious song. And then, then the longer ones, 44 paragraphs. That's, that's <laughs> Glad you're listening, Jesse. Uh, and then the Gloria is sung. And then there's the, the collect or the opening prayer. Then the liturgy of the word. Yeah, so there's more instructions. There's more details. There's more rubrics about uh, what happens at the at the entrance. Sounds like that thing about you have to make your consent publicly and alone is very clear. Not only to yourself that you're making this freely, but that you know when it comes time for the tribunal at the uh, annulment case, you you made this out loud in front of all these people. Well, that is a part of it, right? So. to be uh, validly married, you have to be free to do so. I mean, you can't be coerced. You can't be. You can't be half drunk. You can't be. Uh, uh, you know, not in your right mind. So, the priest is going to. The, the the ritual ritualizes this. It puts into the right just the the things, the the state you need to be in, and the things you're agreeing to. All right. So, uh, Jesse and Kim, you have have you come here to enter into marriage without coercion, freely and wholeheartedly? And both of you individually. Have so I would Individu- say yes, and then she you would say, say I have, and she would say I have. Okay. okay. So now that we've established that you're both free, your parents aren't forcing you into this. Um, you know, you're 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 free to marry. Okay. Then he's going to ask you, are you free to agree to these three things? He's going to ask two questions. Are you prepared as you follow the path of marriage to love and honor each other for as long as you both shall live? I am and I am. So in other words, you're agreeing that you're going to be faithful to each other. It's going to be exclusive. 
mm-hmm. monogamous. And that it's going to be forever, not just for the next year, next five years, next 10 years, or when it, till it gets you know, rough, whatever. So now you've said, you're free to do this. I'm agreeing to do this forever, and I'm agreeing to do this faithfully, just the two of us. And then it says, if circumstances suggest, that is, the, child, the, the couple is still of childbearing age, we'll say, prepared to accept children lovingly from God and to bring them up according to the law of Christ and his church. I am, and I am. So you're, is that excluded if they're not? Yeah. Okay. So let's say you go to a, a marriage of you know, people who are in their 60s or something like that. They would not answer that okay. question. Wow. Would not ask that. Poor uh, Abraham would have been out on that one, huh? To get, <laughs> who's his wife again? I forget. Sarah. Sarah. Yeah. She right? was thought to be barren. Does this guy know anything? So these, I don't know. These goods of marriage that it, it it's open to life, it's uh, faithful, and that it, it's intending to last forever, and that you're free to enter into some such that type of a relationship. This is what's going to make for. Uh, and you're not explicitly rejecting any of those things. In front of hundreds of your family and friends. You can't get out of it later, Jesse. Never. I Jesse, never. neither of you invited me to your weddings, by the way. I'm still, I didn't even that. know you. Yeah, whatever. I'm still you mad. Did, I didn't know you existed. I'm still mad. I All can't right, testify. Since... since well, you listen to these things, Dennis, so then when you get married, you'll I'm know. I'm not inviting you either. You can come to the birth of my third child. Hey, that's it. We could oh, do nice. like We could do a live Liturgy Guys uh, podcast. When Dennis gets married, we do like running commentary. Yeah. Okay, at this <laughs> no. point, he's asking them. Dennis has insisted to be at the end of the aisle. He's using option three. Since it is your intention to enter the covenant of holy matrimony, join your right hands and declare your consent before God and his church. All right, so then the right hands are joined. There's... Right hands are joined. There's two formulas for the consent. You can't write your own vows, right? Because no. you're, because it ha- the consent has to capture what you are consenting to. These mm-hmm. things you've agreed to, and if you write some vows of consent that yeah, I'm consenting to marry you as long as I like you or whatever, uh, as long as your student loans don't get too uh, mm-hmm. come due or something like that. Well, then you Cha-ching. then you've consented to something that that's something other than marriage. So there are two formulas. Uh, and only two formulas that can be used, but these can take the place of Jesse can recite it and Kim can recite it, or if they're really nervous, then the priest can ask him, Jesse, do you agree to take? And then it's just at the end, he can say yes. All right, so it can go Yeah, in, that's the one I would want to do. Does it have obey in it anymore? Does it have what? Obey. Oh, let's that see. That was what a big deal. The woman no, used to say obey. No, uh, he asked the bridegroom, Jesse, do you take Kim for your lawful wife to have and to hold from this day forward for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, to love and cherish until death do you part? The other one is? I have. Uh, oh, wait. I, yes. Let's see. I will. I will. Yeah. The other one would <laughs> <will>. be, <laughs> Kim, do you take Jesse to be your husband? Do you promise to be faithful to him in good times and in bad and sickness and in health to love and honor him all the days of your life? So... Obey. Gone. Gone. All right. And so after that, then there's this reception of uh, consent. And again, there's something new here after the, the uh, what, what, so that what God joins together, no one may put asunder. That's part of the consent formula. And then the priest says, let us bless the Lord. And people say, thanks be to God. Does it really say asunder? Asunder. Wasn't yeah. the old translation something like separate? It wasn't that old-fashioned word, asunder. Yeah, no, it wasn't asunder. I don't remember what it was So, either. But that is the traditional language of that word that even nobody knows what asunder means, but it's, yeah. it seems to be back. Yeah. Well, we can figure out what it means, so asunder. Consubstantial, yeah. asunder. Yeah. Okay, then there's the blessing and giving in rings, and then perhaps the adoras for certain cultures, and then uh, the rite continues as per usual.
Are you satisfied, right. Jesse? I know you were begging for this. Do you, do you remember one. it like that? Yeah, it was a little different. We we opted for like the hybrid entrance because there there is that cultural thing, at least in America, of like seeing your bride walk down, mm-hmm. like the reveal and everything. So we did at our wedding the she walked in the doors of the church as a reveal and then walked to me in the narthex and then we together walked down the aisle. Mm. Is that a legitimate so it, option, Chris? It would be valid, but illicit. Yeah. Wait, that no, 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 no. I'm just kidding. Really? <laughs> oh, well, no, it was I, a different right anyway. Well, yeah, back was, then, yeah. No, and I think, too, um, yeah. Because no, that, I, I think that's But that wasn't that's the entrance you, of the church. That was all in the narthex. Where in the narthex did you meet her? Uh, at, the, at the entrance of the church. So oh, okay. the, the entrance to the So where did she walk neighbors? by herself? She it walked in the through narthex. the front doors of the church, oh, through yeah. the narthex, to the actual entrance of the church. I think, I'm thinking this is licit and valid, Jesse. Nice. Oh, way to go, Jesse. Good job. Way to go. You didn't even know those words back ago. then. Yeah, but, no, but, but even what you're describing, let's say the groom waited all the way at the front and the bride walked all, the whole length of uh, the nave to meet him. That, uh, that doesn't quite seem to be just what the, the, the right is saying. Uh, but I don't know that that would be out of keeping with what. Yeah, I know that was a big, to. you know, topic of discussion when uh, they were deciding, you know, what what the right would be for that because that mm. would frustrate a lot of mm-hmm. soon to be brides and and so on and so forth. No, but, I, I uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not the interpreter of uh, liturgical law, but I think that would be in keeping with with what's in the books. Well, now that we know this, Dennis, you can go to your future wife and say something like. I'm doing my Marian consecration this year. Next year, I'd like to be Marian you. You know all I have to say? Guaranteed to work. Don't you know me? I'm one of the liturgy guys. (laughs) (laughs) Who's the liturgy guy? (laughs) Oh, my my mom told me not to say this, but I was home last week. She doesn't listen, so it's fine. And I said, let's listen to the liturgy guys. We're in the car. She says... The liturgy guy, who's he? <laughs> so, to my mom, I'm one of them. All and right. So is Jesse and Chris. We are the, the liturgy, liturgy guys. guys. Oh, we're, I thought that was supposed to be like an individual response, just like the marriage rite, so that we knew we were each saying it. I am a liturgy guy. I am a liturgy guy. I, I'm, I am, I guess. Sure you are. What are you? Chris? I don't know if I'm a sinner. Commit to, to us for life till death one do us part. Us. One, one of us. One of us. One of us. All right. Let's answer a question. I've been coerced. So why go to the Liturgical Institute? Well, if you want to serve the church and do liturgical studies from the heart of the church, you won't find any place quite like this. This place is faithful to the magisterium, but it's a dynamic orthodoxy, not dry. And at the same time, it not only makes the faith come alive, it also empowers you to help that be the experience for others as well. Hi, I'm Dr. Scott Hahn, and I want to warmly recommend the Liturgical Institute for your consideration. Pray about going and studying and sharing the richness of our living tradition. Mail call! Oh, Moses, Moses, why do you question me? Why do you care? Today, we have a similar debate over this. Anyone know what this is, class? Anyone? This next question is from Amy, and Amy says, One of the new changes in the marriage rite details that there must be a gathering song right after the procession. That is no longer optional. However, most priests, musicians, wedding coordinators, and wedding coordinators I know are skipping over that detail. 
I am encountering a lot of pushback from everyone involved who don't want to go from the procession to a song to the sung Gloria. Also not an option anymore. Why is it important? Can I just skip it like everyone else? Am I wrong that it is required? Um, and uh, that's it. Hmm. Chris. Yeah, I think what she's asking, and I, we talked about this in the podcast, right? So there's some processional, you might, so right, there's two forms for the beginning of the, of the marriage, right? One is all the ministers go to the door of the church, and the entrance chant accompanies the procession to the front of the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I wonder if what she's asking is in the second form where the priest and the ministers just wait up front near the sanctuary, and here comes the bride, Coming mm-hmm. in, do, 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 do. Uh, yeah, and but what the what the right says is that uh, when the couple has arrived, then at the front of the church, the priest receives them and greets them, and then there's this chant, and this is what I think she's speaking about. So after the priest greets them, he goes from where they are up to the altar, and it's while he's going up to the altar to venerate it and to kiss it and onto the chair. There's supposed to be this entrance chant. You ever seen it? No, I, I haven't never seen it. have either. And this, I think, is what she's asking. I mean, do you, is this something you have to do? Is it optional to do? What's the answer? Yeah. What's yeah. the answer, Chris? Well, it's not, it's not presented as optional, and I don't know that it would have to be done uh, in a very complex way. Imagine, you know, simply an entrance uh, antiphon, you know, it's just a single verse. I mean, how long would it take for the priest to cease greeting the couple to go to the altar and to the chair? Depends on the chapel or the church. Yeah, but at max, what? Thirty well, seconds. If there were incense, then it, oh. might, it would have more time. I often think that these entrance chants are supposed to be kind of incense for the ears, in a sense that the priest is going up to the altar, he's going to mm-hmm. prepare everything. Suddenly, the room is filled with this sound of the praise of God and about what's going to happen there. And if that's your scheme, right, then you would need a song. But if you're just going to walk, kiss, and sit down, kiss the altar and sit down, then you won't need much time. You won't, you're, exactly. So imagine just a simple verse of scripture. Now, this is not entirely related to what she's talking about, but on our own little parish at St. Philip's, we've gone to at least just singing the communion antiphon on Sunday, and it's amazing how that can hone in your mind on what you're about to do. Just taking that one verse of sacred scripture that's relative to receiving Holy Communion, and it just adjusts your whole frame of mind. So imagine you've had this big grand entrance with uh, the bride, and the priest greets them, and then as he's going to the altar and then to the chair, in a very simple way, either the cantor or the choir or even the whole assembly could sing, in a very, again, a simple way, just uh, uh, that verse from the entrance antiphon for the Mass. It would readjust it, you from, it look at that readjust, pretty dress, exactly. to, hey, we're going to do something here. That's right. It would, it would take the focus... Um, you know, sure, it's on the bride and groom, but it's on the bride and groom insofar as they manifest the mystery of Christ, and that's what that antiphon could do. Now, the question, however, is, is it mandatory or can it be skipped? It's no. not presented as something that can be skipped. It's, uh, again, it says, um, then during the entrance chant, the priest approaches the altar, reverences it with a profound bow, venerates it with a kiss. After that, he goes to the chair and the glory starts. Hmm. So the rubrics at least don't present it as a may or might or could. Uh, it's presented as something that ought Should, to be done. Should, it happens. Yeah, and, you know, um, we're not in the heavenly Jerusalem yet, and we're uh, every liturgy we celebrate is, uh, is an effort to try to bring it into conformity with that in the heavenly Jerusalem. So um, if you're not going to do it this next Saturday when you have a wedding, you know, try to work it into the parish's uh, uh, wedding plan over the course of the next year or two years, something like that. But one work of the really that. good things about singing propers 
or chanted propers is you don't have to sing five verses of a song. You can sing antiphon, verse, antiphon, and you've you're done, done it, and you're done, and the, then everything's ready to go. It's, the priest isn't standing there for a long time waiting for the, mm-hmm. the precise to finish. Yeah, and maybe that's the other thing, too. When it says entrance chant, think of it in terms of antiphon psalm and not another communal song or solo or something yeah, that like that. that probably helps. That's probably the interpretive cue, right. too. The, the, the opening song is not really an opening song. It's an entrance chant. It's the sound that accompanies the entrance of the priest into the, this image of the heavenly Jerusalem going up to the altar. I've been at Mass fairly recently, actually, where the priest walked in, stood at the chair, and then said, our opening hymn will be whatever, and we sang two verses of a song as if that was the beginning of Mass. And then we did the Our Father. So we you know, sat there through two verses uh, waiting for Mass cross, to begin yeah. instead of it being the music that accompanies the entrance of the priest. Got it. All right, Amy, I hope that answers your question. And if you want to ask us a question, you can email us at questions at liturgyguys.com. Thank you, and God bless. The Liturgy Guys is produced by the Liturgical Institute. If you like what you've heard today, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. And be sure to check out liturgicalinstitute.org to discover more about our degree programs, public events, and publications. Refresh your soul and renew the church at what Bishop Robert Barron calls one of the very best places in the country to receive formation in the Catholic liturgical tradition. Now that's a podcast.